This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad, glad, glad you made it out here on a Wednesday. If you're guests, we're glad you're here. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're here too. You know, when we were singing that song, I, I think that can become a great affirmation for every one of us, something that we say day by day. Lord, draw me a little closer. Pull me a little deeper. I want to stay a little longer. And I, I think, you know, when we begin to do that, actually that's James 4, 8, that the Lord said, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so just coming into his presence and saying, Lord, I just need more of you today. Well, a little thought for you. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand up real high, our ushers would get you one. Then go to the beginning of the Bible there in Genesis, Genesis chapter 28. And we're going to give you an opportunity to give tonight in our tithes and offerings. We appreciate everybody's giving. Glad that you are obeying the kingdom of God. So we begin here in Genesis chapter 28, verse number 18. And this is a passage about Jacob. And it said, Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head. That wasn't a very comfortable pillow. But he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which literally means the house of God. So he's talking about the house of God right here. That's what he's talking about. So he goes on to say, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. And so up to that point, it had been a dark place. But things are getting ready to change. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if... Now, the if right there, it doesn't imply doubt or unbelief. The if there is Jacob is saying, man, I, I don't want to blow it. I, I don't want to forfeit everything God's wanting to do. That's what that if there is. So he says, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've said is a pillar shall be God's house, Bethel. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And so when you look at what Jacob says here, this is under the covenant of grace, okay? This happened with the patriarch Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob. The reason I highlight this, Moses wasn't on the scene. This was not a commandment. So you look at this and you ask yourself, so why did Jacob tithe? Because of the gratefulness of his heart. And I believe when we do that, man, I'm telling you, God is moved by it. I don't tithe because it's legalistic. I tithe because I'm grateful in my heart for everything that God's done. I want to go back and I want, to, I want to read just verse number 20 to you. Just once again, and I, I want you to see this in here. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me. Now look at that. The first thing he says, I, I want God to be with me. And then he said, and keep me in this way that I'm going. Keep, keep me on this path with you, Father God. And then he says, it's interesting 
give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. He didn't say, make me a millionaire. He didn't say, make me famous. If you notice his prayer was, and the, the, the daily necessities, but just give me bread, just give me clothing. You know, we ought to be appreciative. We ought to be grateful when God does those things. And so when you look at this right here, he tithed when he didn't have nothing. And so every one of us here, it becomes a starting point. Man, I, I gotta learn to give and I give and I give and then it becomes a way of life and you watch what God will begin to do with you, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word even in this area. And Lord, we ask that you, you bless the seeds of the sower tonight. Father God, that it comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And we thank you for blessing our evening. I bless the word, Lord, that it comes alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. Again, the men's night is this Sunday, 68. Uh, you can register for the men of iron. And then don't forget Sunday's daylight savings time. So if you're not careful, you're going to come in here and you're going to be an hour late. And I'm going to get to watch you walk in back there. And I'm just going to smile. Like, I know what happened. No, I'm just kidding. Don't forget that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians, right, right there in the New Testament. Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And so, what, where I'm going with this tonight is, God's always done things that far exceed man's understanding. God does things that makes us scratch our head and say, Wow. And so, you know, one day, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading that, remember the, that the Lord told Moses, he said, put that staff in your hand and go before the Pharaoh. And so he took that staff in his hand and remember the staff turned into a snake. And that'll make your head scratch. That doesn't make sense up here. Like, and then that same staff, he said, take it with you to the Red Sea and just st stick that thing out on the Red Sea and watch what'll happen. And it split the Red Sea. And then he said, you take that staff and you hit that rock with it and you watch what will happen and water will come out of it. And so God does things that don't always make sense to our natural mind. But something happens when we become believers and we realize I'm, I'm placing my trust, I'm placing my salvation, I'm placing my eternity in a God and a Savior, Jesus that I've never seen face to face. But yet there's something that gives me the assurance that God is who God says he is and that God, God will do what God says he'll do. And, and if I'll just begin to trust him and believe him. So we're gonna download some of this in you tonight. Begin here in, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's true. It's foolish. And the cross wasn't meant to divide us. The cross was meant to unite us. But to a person that's perishing, it's like, you really believe that stuff? It doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved, woo it is the power of God. 
And so when you see this right here, it was completely misunderstood by the unbeliever, but to the believer, man, it comes alive on the inside of us. You're like, man, I am so grateful for what you did, Lord Jesus. Keep reading here with me. We jump to verse number 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. And, and it's interesting, he says, consider yourself when you got born again or before you were born again. You, you weren't wise by human standards. No, I wasn't. And so when you look at what he's talking about, there's, there's a rejection between human wisdom and divine wisdom. And, and true wisdom is knowing the ways and the will of God. That's where true wisdom comes from. Not the wisdom of the world. And so we start there again. I want to read it a little more. For you see the calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble are even called. And so the mighty, the positions of power, the elite. And so Paul's right here is he's telling the church at Corinth, he says, you're looking at things from the wrong perspective. You're, you're looking for identity with people of notoriety. And notice he said, it's not the powerful, it's not the wise, and it's not the noble of this world. Now, think about that. That goes against everything we're taught. If I lean on the, the wisdom of man, but God's saying that's not so with him. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. He takes the foolish to shame those who think they're wise. And he goes on to say, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God has chosen the weak, the puny, the powerless to shame the high and the mighty. And, and verse 28, he said, and the base things. That word base there means insignificant. The things that seem insignificant of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So he talks about here the base, the insignificant. So literally what he's saying here is I take people that the world views as nobodies and I make them somebodies. Now you go back and you look at scripture and you think about this. Who did Jesus select to be his disciples? Some fishermen tax collectors. He didn't look for the rich. He didn't look for the famous. He didn't even look for the religious. And so what he does is he takes nobodies and makes them somebodies for the kingdom of God. And so the reason I highlight that, we're really all a bunch of nobodies until Jesus comes into our heart and Jesus gives us perspective and he gives us vision and he moves us forward. And so this is exactly what he's talking about. And think about this. It goes totally opposite of what the world looks for. Hmm. Keep reading here. That no flesh 
should glory in his presence. In other words, God's not about this prideful boasting about look at everything I've done. Verse 30, but of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Now, on, on a Sunday a couple of weeks ago, we were in Ephesians 2, and over and over in the epistles, you'll get that little statement, in Christ Jesus. Those are huge things to read, in Christ. And, and when you see those, every time it says in Christ, that's who Christ qualifies me to be because what he does. So he said here, but of him, Father God, you are in Christ Jesus through him. I'm joined to Jesus. I'm aligned with Jesus. And it says, who became for us, Jesus became for us wisdom. When we get born again, Jesus starts imparting kingdom wisdom within us if we allow it. And look what else it says that we became because of Jesus. I became righteousness, I became sanctification, and I became redemption, all because I got born again. Now those can be, those can be big words at times. The word righteousness really goes to 2 Corinthians 5, which literally says, when you give your heart to Jesus, you've become justified. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You're in right standing with God because of Jesus. So you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I'm righteous. And then he said, you've been sanctified. The word sanctified has the meaning you've been set apart. You've been declared holy. How'd that happen? Because I became in Jesus. And Jesus starts sanctifying me. And then he uses the last word here, and through Jesus, in Jesus, we have redemption. Now, you know what the word redemption means? You were repurchased. You were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And what Jesus did came a warranty that only he could make. Now, when Jesus redeems you, that warranty is not same 90 days as cash, okay? When Jesus redeems you, he said, you're redeemed through life. I, I paid a price. So you were redeemed not with corruptible seed, but with the incorruptible blood of the lamb. So what is my redemption? Well, when you've been redeemed, according to Galatians 13, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was poverty, sickness, and death, eternal damnation. So when Jesus redeemed you, you know what he said? I just flip everything. Now you get to walk in eternal life, John 10, 10 life. You know what John 10, 10 says? I came to give you life and that more abundantly. How do I get that? I get born again, I get abundant life. That's a good affirmation, John 10, 10 is, okay? Start speaking that over, I thank you, Lord Jesus that you came to give me life and that more abundantly, every venue in my life, spirit, soul, and body. The second area is divine health. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You've graced me with divine health. And then the last one, he doesn't want you to be in poverty. He wants you to be blessed. And so there was a sacrifice that was made. And this is, this is what he's talking about. And so what gets us as human beings, we do everything from the viewpoint of 
how can I buy this? How can I earn this? How can I achieve this? But God set it up where we can't do any of that. All we can do is receive it and then give him glory and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So every one of us in here, if you're born again, if Jesus is Lord of your life, everything he talked about right here was written for me and you. And he ends here in verse 31 and says that it is written, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in God, as it is written. So when you go to your Bible and you find things written to the word of God, man, I'm telling you, that's your title deed. Stand on that title deed. The Bible says, the Bible says, it's important that you know scriptures. Why do I say it's important that you know scriptures? If we went back into Matthew and remember the Lord Jesus, he was taken to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. He was tempted with three major things. You remember what Jesus did with all the times that every time the devil came to tempt him? Jesus said, it's written. It's written. It's written. And you know what? Every time Jesus said it was written, it shut him up. Ooh, it's powerful. Go with me to Psalms 119. 119th Psalm. So we're going to go a little farther. You begin to see some things that don't look exactly like the world would say. Now, as you go to Psalm 19, 119, this is the longest psalm ooh, in, of all of them. 170, 176 verses. <laughs> so your assignment is to start reading. Now, you don't have to read it all in a day. If you do, great. But take a highlighter, and when you start when you start reading it, start marking in there every time it talks about the Word of God. You, you might have to get several markers because I'm going to tell you, you will mark and you will mark. So the reason I'm telling you this, we've got to learn to live by the Word of God. That's totally opposite than the world. But the Word of God is, is my blueprint for life. So Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word, the word of God, is a lamp to my feet. It, it is a guide to me. And, and the thing about the word of God, it endures forever. The Lord said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. The word of God does not change. So he says, the word is a lamp unto my feet. And the word of God is a light unto my path. And, and so when you look at here, God's word is a guide. God, God's word gives direction. And what needs to happen with is we must learn to let God's word guide us. God's word correct us. God's word instruct me. And God's word to lead me and confirm. Do not hasten ahead in life without the word of God, okay? This is how big this is. You know, the world will say stuff, well, if it, feels, if it feels good, just do it. Well, if you live by that motto, you're going to get in trouble real quick. Welcome the word of God. Let, let the word of God be the blueprint and the map of your life. Now, I know I'm going backwards a little bit, but same chapter, go to verse 57. Psalm 119, verse 57. 
The psalmist says here, you are my portion, O Lord. The word portion here means you're my satisfaction. Can't get no satisfaction. That song was true. I can't get no satisfaction. That's an old song. I can't get no satisfaction. I didn't sing it very good, did I? They asked me what, what, what key I sing in. And I said, one of those in the alphabet, just somewhere, I don't know. I, I can hit all kinds of range. But anyway, you don't get no satisfaction. That's a true statement. Until Jesus comes into your life. My satisfaction in this life comes from him. So what does the world say? Man, you, you'll be satisfied when you, you millionaire. You'll be satisfied when you're driving that new vet. You'll be sat, Oh, you get a new set of this kind of golf clubs. You, you get these, these Michael Coors purses. You get, you. What do you find out about every one of those things? They can be temporary, but only God's an eternal satisfaction. So he says, Lord, you're my portion. I have said that I would keep your words. Now this is his desire. He said, I've said, I'm gonna keep your words, Father God. I wanna live by your word. Be merciful to me. And how was he to be merciful to him? According to your word. You know what God's word says about his mercy? Ooh, this is good. My mercies are new every day, every morning. You know why that's good news that his mercies are new to us every day, every morning? Because we use them all up every day. We're mercied and mercied and mercied. He goes on to say, I entreated you with my favor, O Lord. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. Now, what he's saying here, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to God's word. And obedience has become a priority in my life. I must become disciplined to the word of God. The word of God does me no good unless I obey it. O obedience is huge. You can quote scripture. You can let it rattle out of you. But if I don't obey the word, it won't profit me at all. So again, when we begin to see this thing, the reason I'm telling you this about the word of God, the word of God becomes an anchor in my life. And the world won't tell you that. So where we're going here now is I, I want to sit on this the rest of the night because we, we live in this, this crazy world. And every one of us have things that come after us. And you may be going through some things right now, man. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Go with me to Philippians chapter four. And the reason I took you to those things is because if, if, you, try to if you try to fix the things of your heart with the things of the world, you're gonna stay broke. But if I would learn to do things God way, God will begin to move. Now, when, when you read this here, you're gonna know immediately where we're at. This becomes one of these hallmark passages to me that I, I love to lean on this right here. So Philippians chapter four, verse six. 
And this is the Paul, Apostle Paul writing, and he says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for nothing. Don't fret about anything. Now, when I read that, especially when I used to read that, you know what I would say? Is that possible? Is that possible for me not to worry? Well, the Bible is telling me this right here, that it becomes possible if I'll listen and do what he says here. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be pulled in different directions. Don't be worried about the things of this world. Even when the floodgates of life are opened at you and you feel like you got about a half a nostril out of the water. Seems like all hell's broke loose. Is anybody in here like that right now? You're like, that's me, pastor. That's me. So he says, be anxious for nothing. Now, not only does he tell us be anxious for nothing, but he gives us the antidote to worry. Now, watch what he says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. That's a nugget for you right there. But in everything. He didn't say for everything, but he said in everything. By prayer. By prayer. Now, when you talk about prayer with someone of the world, they may look at you and say, do you really do that? Why would you do that? I, I was on an airplane flight and the guy sitting, sitting next to me, I was reading a book and he was looking at it and he was watching me and everything. And he said, you believe all that stuff you're reading? And I said, yeah, I, I believe it all. And he said, you even believe the story about that guy who was in the belly of the whale? And I said, I do. And he said, why would you believe that? And I said, because it's in the Bible. And he said, what will you think about it one day that when all this comes to light, and he said, if none of that was true? And I said, well, you know what? It won't bother me. I said, because I, I, I think I went through life and I said, I tried to love people. I tried to help people. I've loved the journey I've been on. And I said, if it's not true, it's not true. But I said, let me ask you a question. What if it's true? What's gonna happen to you? And I'm, I'm telling you, he was a white man that he went whiter than white, man. I mean, he looked at me like, oh, Jesus. He had never thought about that. See, it's the same with prayer. But when I read what he says here about prayer, he's saying, in everything, pray, pray. In everything, pray, pray. If you need a job, pray. Before you get married, pray. Before you buy a house, pray. And so the more I pray, the less I worry. And I believe the apostle Paul's here saying, let your life be saturated with prayer. So anytime that you begin to worry, Consider that a, a sign from God to say, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's like God's ringing the dinner bell. It's time to pray. And so think about that. The next time that worry starts creeping up, you start praying. Father God, I'm gonna pray. And, and you know what I'm talking about when I say pray? There in 1 Peter 5, he said, cast all your care upon me for I care for you. 
Now let me highlight that verse. That's 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, 6. Cast all your care upon me. He didn't say, just cast all your big things upon me. No, he said, cast all your care upon me. Call out to me. And so this is big. When, when anxiety and worry start knocking at your door right now, man, I get before God and, and I pray. And, and when I begin to pray, the more you pray, the less you worry. But after the word pray, there's an and. And supplication. Supplication is a faith-filled request or a petition. And so when I begin to read about these supplications, petitions, it's actually talking about a a very specific prayer, a very in-depth or in-depth or a precise prayer. In other words, it says, tell God every one of your concerns. Tell him. So I was in here yesterday and I had some issues going on, man. And I just started telling him. And I told him one or two and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna unload on God. I'm gonna let him have every one of them. Man, I just started this and this and this and this. God welcomes your precise prayers, okay? He's a precise God. Think about this. If you were to go to a car dealership to buy a car and you walked in and the salesman came up and said, can I help you? And you said, yeah, I need to buy a car. And he said, well, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm just getting a car. Well, do you want two door or four door? I just want a car. Well, how about a Jeep, SUV, a pickup? Just want a car. Well, what color you want? I just want a car. You want red, green, blue? I just want a car. He would look at you like you are fruit of the loom. You're you're whacked out, dude. You don't have both oars in the water, pal. You need some help. God, God welcomes these petitions. And so he said, with prayer and supplication. Now look at the last one. With thanksgiving. And with my thanksgiving, I'm not giving him thanks for the problem itself. So why do I give him thanks? Because I give him thanks because I am inviting God into my problem because he's the answer. And I say, Father God, I give you glory. I know that you hear me. I know that my prayers don't fall on deaf ears. That you said in, in James 5, 16, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And so I thank you, Father God. Thank you that you would hear my prayers. Now he's not done. He's got another and. And the peace of God, the wonderful peace of God, and the peace of God is not like the peace the world talks about, okay? The peace of God. You know, if you've served God very long in life, the peace of God becomes a treasure. Because I can walk in the peace of God in the chaos of my life. When everything around you is chaotic, there's a peace on the inside. And he said, and the peace of God, now listen, which surpasses my understanding. 
The peace of God is so incredible that my understanding can't fathom that everything around me, all hell's, and I got peace on the inside. And the people of the world look and say, I, I don't understand how you can have peace. Do you not see what's happening? I see peace, I see, but I see peace. And the peace of God which surpasses your understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what that, that means to me? It's like Father God comes and he puts all these angels and soldiers around my thoughts and my feelings. And, and, and when I, I read this here, it's not the peace of the world. It's the peace that comes from God. That I don't have to worry. I don't have to try to figure things out. I just turn it over to you and say, Father God, you're all knowing. You're all caring. And I think back at the times in my life where anxiety would really rise, just really rise. And just all the times me and Shelly would just grab hands and we'd pray. We'd just begin to pray. And it, it took a while in our life, but we realized the first thing we do is pray, not the last thing. We come before God and we just come before God with thanks. And you know what? Let's turn it over to him. And so what I'm talking about here tonight, anchor yourself in the word of God. Number two, be a person of prayer. Saturate, just think about this with prayer. That the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the creator of every one of us in here, he welcomes us to pray, to call out to him. Call on the name of the Lord in the day of trouble and he'll hear an answer. So remember this. When worry and anxiety, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray supplication with thanksgiving. And then Lord, I, I welcome your peace. I welcome your peace. Why don't you stand up here with me tonight? I, I pray this helps you. See, again, these are things that don't make sense to the things of the world. It's foolish to the world. I had a guy who worked with me at this utility company. He, he was a dear friend of mine, great, a great co-worker with me. And we were at a job site one day and there was a guy from the church there and the guy at the church was asking me about typing. Right there in this alley. So I was sharing with him, well, this guy I worked with, he overheard it all and he looked at me. We got back in the truck and he said, you don't really do that, do you? And I said, I do. And he said, why? And I said, because I want God to, to be the source of, of my finances, my life. God's my financier. And he said, yeah, but what you give to him could even be a car payment. It could be a house payment. And I said, that's exactly right. I said, this is how important that is to me. And he goes, man, I, I can't understand why you would do that. See, the things of God are foolish to the things of the world. But just because it's foolish to the things of the world, man, it needs to get embedded in our hearts where we realize God is with us. I mean, God is there. If we'll just take advantage of everything he said to us. So let's raise our hands here to heaven. Let me pray us out of here tonight. 
Father God, we stand before you tonight. And Lord, I, I just pray right now for every one of us in here that any of the things that you are, you, you provide for us, you give to us, you bless us with it, that Lord, if it seems foolish or not, not of value to any one of us in here right now, Lord, I, I pray that you reveal yourself to us. And Father God, we, we look to you, we look to your word. We thank you that the word becomes anchored in our heart tonight. And Father God, that with anyone in here that raised their hand with anxiety and worry right now, Lord, that we can pray. And Lord, I, I thank you that we stand before you with thanksgiving to know ooh, that our, our God hears our prayers. And Father God, we pray right now this last prayer here that the peace of God which surpasses our understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.